Welcome to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. This episode is brought to you by BKT Tires, a leading global player in off-highway tires for the agricultural, industrial, construction, and OTR industries. Welcome back to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. You know, 2023 seems to be racing by. So before even more time escapes us, we decided to invite industry analyst and MTD columnist John Healy back onto the show. John will talk about some of the biggest issues facing the tie industry so far this year. He talks about what we need to watch for as the last half of the year is coming at us. He'll dive into the topsy-turvy world of tire sellout, inventory levels, and a whole lot more. Let's get to it. All right. Well, John, thanks so much for being with us on the Modern Tire Dealer Show again. It's good to have you back and good to uh, kind of hear your thoughts about where we are at the mid-year point. So so go ahead and tell us about, you know, kind of where we are with tire inventories and, and the sellout situation so far in 2023. For sure. 2023 has been a year from my perspective that's been a bit uneven. Um, when we take a look at what we've seen in 2023, it was a uh, a pretty fast start to the year for many dealers that you know we've spoken with and, and kind of interacted with, where they saw early January trends pretty robust. And um, you know, frankly, um, that sometimes happens because the market's good, and that sometimes happens because weather is a uh, is a friend. And you know, looking back on things, I think it was more of weather was a friend um, because what we saw from the channel was that um, retail consumer demand did not. Um, follow through as we got into February and into March and saw what I would say um, a deceleration of retail trends. Um, at the same time, um, you know, we had some funny things happen with tax refunds. Those kind of happened a little bit earlier. Um, you also had used car values jumping up a little bit. Um, and I think some of those factors probably weighed on um, at the margins, some retail demand for tires, either replacing or, you know, kind of a, uh, um, thinking about how, you know, you were going to optimize and sell your vehicle. Um, but since then, probably since maybe mid-April, late April, we've seen a little bit of a, a spark at retail. I wouldn't say it's tremendous. I wouldn't say it's, you know, mid to high single digit growth. But, you know, folks aren't talking about their business being down mid to high single digits like they were in the first part of the year. Um, most folks are seeing their businesses comparable to last year, um, you know, with some success success stories. Um, with those folks seeing growth kind of, you know, mid single digits. And then there's others that are, you know, still challenged. But I would say the retail picture was one that, you know, started off quick, fell off pretty good for about three months. Um, and in the last two months, two and a half months, we've seen some sequential strengthening um, with volumes comparable to a year ago. So all things considered, I'd call the retail environment one getting better, um, but one that is, um, you know, more okay than exceptional. Mm-hmm. And so, and where do you think that's headed for as we're staring now at the last half of the year? Where, where, what, where might we end up in December? Well, I think the, um, the easier answer is where might we end up for August and uh, September and October? Um, I think you still see healthy miles driven. Um, you see gas prices have settled into the mid threes. Um, so some of those things that I would say are more macro centric, um, aren't working against the industry like they have been at certain points over the last three years. Um, so I, I think what you'll see, you know, kind of into the fall is steady retail 
Um, I don't see a real catalyst for it to jump up tremendously. Um, but again, people are out there driving. Um, gas prices are, you know, still high, but they're reasonable, I guess. So we'll, we'll call it that. Um, so I think the retail picture will be, you know, holding in for the next couple of months. And then really it's, it's all about the turkey drop. You know, what happens after Thanksgiving? What happens with weather? And do we start to, um, you know, get some things that help or, um, maybe hurt the industry? You know, when I take a look back to last year, I kind of feel that, um, depending where you're at in the country, weather was not that big of a help to the business. Um, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but, um, you know, if you told me that snowfall, um, east of the Mississippi was, you know, considerably less than it normally is, I would agree with that. Um, and, and I think, you know, the winter of, of 20, uh, 2022 to t- into 2023 was a mild one. It was a green winter. Um, so I think if we get some weather on the roads, people are going to realize that their tires are in, you know, less than optimal condition. Um, we also have an aging car population on the road. Um, you know, there's various statistics from a government standpoint. Um, but, you know, the average age of a vehicle on the road right now is approaching 14 years. Um, so, you know, the age of vehicles, um, and weather are probably like the help are probably likely to help the industry more than hurt the industry as we look out the next 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Well, in tire dealers, I just want you to catch that John Healy did make a WKRP turkey drop reference there. So that's something that's pretty <laughs> exclusive to here to uh, the modern tire dealer show. Only on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Um, well, you know, certainly talking, you know, and thinking about sell sell out and inventories, obviously tire pricing is a big part of, of that picture. Um, and that, I guess this year I would say has not been as active on price as, uh, uh, last year, at least not coming from the manufacturers. Well, what are you seeing and kind of what, um, you know, what's maybe coming down the pike there? No, what we're seeing, I would say is, um, we're not seeing sudden changes, but we're seeing, you know, marginal erosion in the pricing environment, I would say. Um, and it's not big wholesale changes in terms of, you know, list prices. But, you know, we do hear things from dealers and distributors about manufacturers calling and saying, hey, um, we've got excess inventory, we've got excess product. I can get you a really nice deal on some of these uh, units if you take them before the end of the month or the end of the quarter. So we're starting to hear some things like that, which really we have not heard since you know, spring of 2020. Um, so I think it's important though to kind of think about pricing um, in relationship to raw materials though, because I think at the end of the day, that's what the manufacturers ultimately um, try to try to peg their pricing strategy to. Um, we had raw materials go up significantly in, in 2021 and parts of 2022. We saw each manufacturer probably approach the market two or three times in each of those years with price increases. And there was probably more pricing that the tire industry manufacturers got in a, in a, in a 24 month year, period than they have in history. Um, so it was a pretty good one for them. And now what's happening with, you know, global supply chains normalizing, shipping costs becoming, um, more manageable, um, some, some moderation in the level of inflation. Um, we're starting to see raw material relief, relief to the tire manufacturers. You know, when we look at the, the base case, raw material basket to build a tire we would estimate um based on our own work that it's it's probably down somewhere in the mid-teens compared to a year ago um so you know there there is raw material relief that is um starting to present itself to the manufacturers 
So it's not surprising to me that they have um, hit the pause button on the uh, on the pricing um, emphasis. The question will be is, you know, does someone break ranks and get frustrated and disappointed with the level of demand for their product line uh, produced? And as a result, lower pricing to try to, to gain market share and to try to gain sales. We're not seeing tons of signs of that. Um, but at the end of the day, those things do happen. And, you know, I, I would be surprised if at some point there's not a manufacturer or two that are, you know, looking to regain or reclaim some share. Um, but I would say it's been it's been more disciplined with only moderate, modest discounting. But from a perspective of a dealer, what we're hearing from dealers is saying, hey, I'm not sitting on a ton of inventory, uh, partially because retail hasn't been that great. And, you know, I can still get products from, you know, distributors. Um, I also have increased inventory carrying costs if I have a floor plan or some sort of working capital line that I have to draw on. Um, and my sense is these manufacturers will pull back on price at some point. I don't sense that dealers are really what I would say in a panicked, concerned mode of we need to get product and, um, you know, we're too light on inventory. I think people feel that as we move into the second half of the year, it may be more of a tire dealer buyer market in terms of sourcing inventory. Um, than what we've seen in the last couple of years. So I think many dealers are saying, um, you know what, we've got enough product for now. And, um, you know, when we see the demand and when we need the product, we'll be able to go get it. Mm -hmm. Thanks to its R&D efforts, BKT is committed to helping customers succeed by offering high quality, top performance, and reliable tires that can handle any job in more than 160 countries worldwide. Now, does does all of that apply on the commercial side as well? Like, are those commercial tire prices are they are they more volatile? Or you know, obviously we know that you know the U.S. There's just not the capacity to um, produce all the tires here in in the U.S. or in North America to meet to meet the demand for you know all the trucks that are on the road here. Uh, does does that play into things here, or kind of what's the commercial picture of this? Yeah, no, no, it, it, it does. And I, and I think it, um, I think it depends on how you, you define commercial. Are you, are you talking about commercial trucks or are you talking about, um, OE product, um, on the, on the passenger car side of things? But on the, on the truck tire side of things, I think we're seeing some easing there, but it's still pretty tight. Um, we're also starting to see new deliveries of new trucks pick up, which I think is putting some stress on the overall production capabilities of some of the manufacturers. But I do think that, when you look at the commercial market, one of the things to watch later this year will be the passenger car market on the commercial side. Um, you know, there are some, you know, some pending um, union situations um, on the auto manufacturer side that are kind of due to um, kind of be resolved or um, or come to a, a negotiating point at some point um, early fall, um, late summer, early fall, depending on who you are. Um, so I think that's going to be something to watch because theoretically, if there is a strike, there's a prolonged period of um, um, idled capacity on the auto manufacturing side. You would think that would put a little bit of a ripple into the demand for the uh, commercial vehicles on the uh, OE side, the, the fitments for, for those tires, um, which could cause some manufacturers to maybe um, have a little bit of a, um, a mismatch of, um, you know, what they were expecting for their production goals for the year and, and versus what the demand environment is. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. One we've seen too in the last few years, like during the pandemic, that when OE production, OE tire production of any kind was down, that certainly left tire manufacturers some, you know, more capacity to produce replacement tires. So, so I guess we'll have to watch that part play out. For sure. Um, yeah. I, so back in the retail world, um, obviously there have been some, you know, some big announcements this this year. Uh, nothing bigger than um, Mavis buying TBC's uh, two of their um, brands for their retail stores and adding, you know, 500 stores. You know, now that some of that dust has kind of settled, what what are you still thinking about, or what what stands out for you? Like, how does this maybe help Mavis? And what does it do for TBC to not have those retail, you know, company-owned assets anymore? Yeah, I, I, I think um, I want to take it maybe from the, the, the bottom end of your question before the top end of your question. Um, I, I think the tire business is one. If you're a manufacturer um, and if you're a distributor and if you're a retailer, um, they're all very distinct and they're all very unique. Um, and I think trying to do multiple aspects of this business, whether you're a manufacturer that has retail or you're a manufacturer that has your own distribution model, or if you're trying to do all three, I think it's really hard uh, because inherently you have multiple types of partners in the channel that are trying to move your product. Um, inherently, you've got folks that want to build tires and sell tires, and sometimes your production levels and how much you're producing can get outside of what you should be producing. And you know, you get to a situation where you're producing too much product in the market and your product becomes somewhat of a commoditized version of itself. Um, so I think it's a difficult one. So, you know, if you told me that tire manufacturers um, were in this situation where they didn't want to own retail or they didn't want to have controlled distribution, they wanted to rely on third parties, I can see, I can see a situation for that. Um, you know, I can see the business case for it, and I can see the business case against it. And I think in reality, it's just a very hard business model when you're trying to do manufacturing retail and distribution itself if you're trying to do all three then the businesses in itself are difficult let alone trying to do all three of them themselves and as it relates to mavis and the entities there um, they clearly are in the uh, the getting bigger phase um, they're getting good brands they're getting good assets um, they're sizable ones my sense is that 2023 2024 for them is probably going to have to be a phase of integration and digestion of these of this acquisition um but you know in my opinion it's like some of the acquisitions we saw years two ago you know the good operators are getting good assets and um i think folks are uh, i think folks will always try to make a business case for doing that but i think you know at the end of the day um it will be um i think a limited change in terms of how they operate the tbc assets in the remainder of the year and and, and probably 2024 is the uh, integration year. Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned, you know, uh, <laughs> some difficulty of managing all these different kinds of businesses and assets, because uh, that certainly flows into a bit of, of the next big story, which was, you know, Elliott Associates, an investment firm, you know, sending out a letter, I think this was in May, you know, calling for some changes at Goodyear. Um, including they wanted the appointment of independent directors on the board. You know, they wanted there to be some some work on reviewing operations. And lo and behold, 
we, we, we now have the, um, I guess, somewhat of a response to that and have seen some of those changes that Elliot wanted um, seem to be happening at Goodyear. What, what, what do you see in all of this? And I guess at this point, and I, I would say it's still early, um, can you pick, is there a winner or a loser here? Or how, how would you, how, how do you think of this whole situation? Yeah, you know, I would say in the world of investing, this situation isn't as uncommon as it might seem. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when you become a publicly traded corporation like Goodyear is, there is no fam. There, there isn't a family that's owning a company. The company is owned by shareholders. Shareholders typically elect the the board of directors, and the board of directors' job is to hold the management team accountable. So. When you're a public company, this structure, this discussion, this, this should be happening. This does happen. This isn't what I would say very abnormal. Um, yes, it was a little bit more high profile than it normally probably is when this type of thing happens because, you know, Elliot Fryle does an activist investor and, and put together, um, in my opinion, a, a thoughtful presentation about, you know, why they think there's value to be had at Goodyear. But I would tell you with most publicly traded companies, the board and investors and management teams are continually in discussions about what's the best course of action for the company. So to say there's a winner and loser in this one, I would say, you know, at the end of the day, the winner is the shareholders, right? It's the, it's the folks that, um, um, in essence, own the corporation. And I think when you look at what Elliot said, and what Goodyear's been doing, I think the you know the exchanges that I've been aware of seem to be rather professional and not very what I would say adversarial. So you know I, I think Goodyear quickly I think the day of or maybe it was the day after in May when the Elliott release came out they were quick to say hey let's engage you know we're welcome to suggestions um, we have our own perspective and we'll share that. Uh, but I think this has been a, a fairly normal. And um, what I would say, a, a fairly professional dialogue over the last three or four months that, that, that we've been kind of observing this. Um, you know, the big changes that I think that you've seen, um, you know, reflect that, you know, Goodyear's willing to listen. And I think management is, you know, not trying to shy away from the discussion of what the business could be and what they, you know, what what avenues could be appropriate for creating value. So I, I think it's been a good process so far. So far, I was really impressed with the, the three names of the uh, individuals that were added to the Goodyear board, you know, all respective CEOs with uh, what I would say real major companies that have, um, you know, have probably some some valuable experience they can bring to this this process and this discussion. And I think when you look at the work that Elliot's done in their presentation, you know, I thought it was very impressive and representative of, um, you know, a, a group that, you know, clearly dug in and tried to do a lot with the industry. And um, I think the Goodyear team and has been quick to respond and has been open um, from what I can see. And really, I, I would say this process is moving a bit faster um, than I would have expected. Um, you know, here we are in the middle of July, roughly two months after, you know, the letter came out. And we've got a couple of board members that are being added and a, a special committee being created to evaluate some things, um, you know, with some hopeful updates, you know, before not too long. So um, I've, I've actually been surprised at the pace in which this has moved, which to me signifies 
that, you know, folks are working together a little bit more than they're uh, trying to uh, fight one another, which I think is um, commendable to both sides. Mm-hmm. So with all of this, um, is there anything specific that you think tire dealers should be watching or paying, you know, looking for specifically as, as Elliot and Goodyear continue to work together and have these conversations? You know, that's really hard to say because I don't know what those conversations have been like. Um, you know, when you, when you look at the Elliott presentation, um, it was very detailed. You know, there were aspects of what they thought could be improved. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they talked about retail and they talked about distribution strategies. Um, so obviously any sort of change to retail, um, you know, potentially with the Goodyear stores, I, I think they've highlighted in their presentation or, you know, a view that this distribution model makes more sense than that distribution model. That would have a, you know, a, a domino effect to the dealer network. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, when, when you, when you look at what investors want from Goodyear, and this is an Elliott specific, investors want them to create more value and to become a more profitable tire manufacturing company. And at the end of the day, that's what the company is, the tire manufacturing company. And it has other assets, particularly its retail stores and its distribution and, and a brand. And, how can we use those things differently to create more value to shareholders? And at the end of the day, I think one of the easiest paths to doing so is having a good product, having a a volume-based model. Um, so I, I don't see a lot of scenarios where tire dealers are going to be starved from giving access to Goodyear product. I, to me, that would be a hard thing for me to figure out how you'd create value by making the product more scarce or cutting back on the um availability of the lines same thing with cooper um you know might there be changes with how you source and you know maybe whether goodyear's competing in a market with its own branded stores too early to tell but um those would be the areas that i would be uh, monitoring for change excellent well we appreciate you breaking breaking that down for us and uh putting your uh, big investor hat on for for all of us on that john and and for everything for just you know share, sharing your input with us and and with the modern tire dealer show um listeners and to the mtd readers so uh thanks so much for your input today we appreciate you okay joy you have a great day thanks thanks again to john healy for joining us on the modern tire dealer show You can follow John's work at North Coast Research and also read his column every month in MTD, Your Marketplace. Now make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast by subscribing to the Modern Tire Dealer Show on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, I wish you great success. Whether you're working on a farm, a construction site, or in the OTR industry, BKT has a tire for you.